You got it? I got it. Okay. Welcome to Shabbatify. Rabbi Scott Perlo and Chazan Basia. We're here defeating the Zoom, trying to bring a little Shabbos over your radio. Hi, Basia. How are you? I am, thank God, Baruch Hashem. I am okay. I'm on, oh, I'm actually uh, in reverb. I'm good because I'm, I like, reverb is my friend. I know it's I your said. thing. I know it's your thing. Uh, you want to welcome Shabbos for us? I would love to bring in the angels. So these are the angels of Shabbat coming in all directions. Shalom Aleichem Malachei Hasharet Malachei Malachei Yon Mi Melech Malachei Amlachim HaKadosh HaKadosh Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Basia, this is our very first Shabbatify. That is a really cool name for a podcast about Shabbat things in our community. I love the name. How'd you come up with it? I have literally no idea. I think maybe you suggested it or my friend Jake suggested it. You know, it was one of those late night Shabbat experiences. Anyways, this is a total experiment. We've heard from so many people that what you miss is the Shabbat music, but after a long week of work, you just can't do the Zoom anymore. I grew up on radio shows, so we're hoping the technology of the old can bring a little spirituality of the new in this, in this uh, difficult COVID time. That sounds great. And this is my very first time, I think, ever doing a podcast at all. So I'm um, a Shechianu moment for myself. Shechianu, mine too. And um, mine too. And uh, we're going to make a bunch of mistakes. So... <laughs> There we go. Forgive us, forgive us. Um, this week's Parsha is Chaye Sarah, and we want to talk about the passing out of this world of two incredibly important people. The first is the death in this week's Parsha of our mother Sarah, um, the strength of the Jewish people, the woman who founded it all. But also in the world this week, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, one of the great teachers of Torah of our time, died last Shabbat on Chav Cheshvan, the 7th of October, uh, November, um, and he's sorely, sorely missed. Um, you know, often last year and the year before when I would be preparing for writing sermons or Dvar Torahs, um, whenever I had to dig into the Parsha, what I would do is read his his incredible Devray Torah that are all on the um, on the on the internet, and he writes such deep, beautiful Torah. And um, I think we're going to do a little bit of um, exploring one of his Devray Torah and Chayesara this week, right? That's right. And you should also read his books, The Dignity of Difference, and so many others. But he has a free Parsha commentary online called Covenant and Conversation. He asks a really important question at the beginning of the Parsha this week. He says that, he notes that Rashi talks about the years of Sarah's life, that they were all equally good. And also that Avram, Sarah's husband, it says that God blessed Avram Bakol with everything. And the question he brings up is, how could that be? They went through such travail, pain and suffering, moving from place to place, splitting up a family. Um, incredible, sometimes absurd stories. 
how is it possible that they could that the Torah could say that their lives were good? I think it's an incredible question to start the week because honestly, Basia, I'm in a place in which the world is not always feeling like it's tremendously full of blessing. Sometimes it's hard to walk around with a smile on your face. But I think now, I think I think there's a there's a different moment that we're living now. It's different than last week. I think we have the potential for blessing. We see the hope for a blessing. We're afraid of that blessing being kind of smothered over and voted out of uh, existence. But um, but there's a chance for hope and chance for blessing. This is why we work together, because you're the one who actually brings positivity back into my life, which I really appreciate. <laughs> That's so incredibly, incredibly crazy, because I am the most cheerful pessimist ever. Oh, that's fantastic. We're going to get along fantastically then. <laughs> I am a big, cheerful, like exuberant pessimist. Well, let's let's hope that Shabbos is, is, brings as much optimism as it possibly can in for both of us. And um, I want to start with uh, one of my favorite all-time Really top 10 Shabbos hits. This is uh, Yonatan Razel singing Dror Yikra. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da
I do want to add in that it comes from a really uh, famous pas- passage in the Torah, a verse in the Torah um, that talks about the Jubilee year in which anyone who was a slave or an indentured servant would be set free, all debts would be canceled, land would go back to their rightful owners, and Jorikra, freedom would be pro- proclaimed throughout the land. And in moments where the Jewish people didn't have a lot of freedom, we'd sing this on Shabbos, which was our freedom, still is our freedom. So I hope that wherever you're listening from, you're hearing the freedom of Shabbos as we start with this, and we want to bring you in live to Chazan Basia singing Higale Nat. Now, if you've been with us on Shabbat before, you'll know that we sing this at the beginning of every Shabbat service. It's a part of the poem called Yadit Nefesh, Soul Friend. Higale Nat means reveal yourself. Now, Shabbat is the inside heart, right? not the outside armor, the inside softness. Something has to open up and reveal itself on Shabbos, and that's what we sing it right at the beginning. Here you are, Chazan Basia, coming to you, Galena. Oh, my God. 
So good. I think it's good for everybody to know that one of the very first um, musical directors that Romamu ever had, um, Shir Yaakov Feinstein Feit, rabbi now, um, wrote that melody and it's become such an anthem such a such a linchpin of our sound of our the quality of what we're bringing for shabbat so it's good that we know who it is who wrote that we can't always say it during shabbat services so it's really nice to get a chance to give that um credit to where it's due yeah he deserves it reb shiriakov's influence is found in like so many places that um and and the beautiful melodies that he wrote um also that you write so why don't we go back to the Torah? Can we talk about Rabbi Sachs again? So the way he resolves this, the way he talks about the question of how was it that Avram and Sarah could see themselves as having good years and being blessed with all is that because on the inside, he says they had a why. W-H-Y. And so he says like this, I have mixed feelings about Frederick Nietzsche. He was one of the most brilliant thinkers of the modern age and also one of the most dangerous. He himself was ambivalent about Jews and negative about Judaism, yet one of his most famous remarks is both profound and true. He who has a why in life can bear almost any how. Amazing. Amazing. I think it's, I think, I mean, it, it definitely harks back to Viktor Frankl's um, In Search of Meaning and, and like how to feel like you're guided by purpose and that you can always trace whatever you do in life to feeling like you're guided by a higher or a bigger picture of where you're living. The one thing I do want to share, though, is actually how Rabbi Sachs found his why. Um, one of the things he wrote beautifully and with incredible amount of passion about is that his first meeting with the Lubavitcher Rebbe, who like comes up actually in story after story of the great Torah scholars and the great teachers of the age. So he was a student at Cambridge and uh, he wanted to meet the Rebbe, so he shows up at 770. He's like, I want to meet the Rebbe. And they sort of laughed at him because there was a list, thousands of people long, of pe- people who were waiting for Yechidis for a private meeting with the Rebbe. So he like travels through the States, and they call him one week, I think pretty soon after, after Shabbat, saying, the Rebbe will see you on Thursday, and he was in Los Angeles. So he gets on a bus. Yeah, all wow. across the country. He gets on a bus for 72 hours, and he shows up. And, uh, you know, intelligent guy starts pelting the Rebbe with questions. And at some point in time, the Rebbe actually turns the table on him um, and uh, starts pelting him with questions. What are you doing at Cambridge? How many Jewish students are there? What are you doing about the whole Jewish student, the Jewish students that are there? And Rabbi Sachs felt very taken aback by this. He didn't exactly know how to respond that the Rebbe was asking him not what he thought, but what he had done. And he started sort of muttering about it and figuring out a way out. And this is what he writes. So I started the sentence, in the situation in which I find myself, and the Rebbe did something which I think was quite unusual for him, he actually stopped me in mid-sentence. He says, nobody finds themselves in a situation. You put yourself in a situation. And if you put yourself in that situation, you can put yourself in another situation. That moment changed my life. And even though it's not from the Torah that we were reading from Rabbi Sachs this week, it's hard not to read it in about Avram and Sarah, who had many situations, incredibly painful situations in their life, but who were creators of situations and actually created a whole reality for themselves, full of blessing and full of goodness. They were people who were really had this strong, powerful why. Okay, it's not a Shabbat song, 
but Deborah Saxmans is putting out some great stuff these days. This is her Mina Mezar Karatiya. <laughs> Yeah. 
I just can tell you a little story about um, my little uh, meeting with the Rebbe himself, uh, Rabbi Schneerson. I remember as as kids growing up in Bar Park, it was something that we did on Sundays also to get to have like a moment with um, Rabbi Schneerson, and we would stand outside in the cold for hours and hours and hours. And at the end, we would just we would get a dollar. And it was like really sweet. We just get a dollar and we felt like, oh my God, like the Rebbe gave us a dollar. And one time on my way to South Africa, I decided to go like two days before my flight, I said, I'm going to go to the Rebbe and stand in line. I waited in line for a long, long time. And then finally got, um, got a second with the Rebbe. And I said, I'm going to South Africa. He's for South Africa, $2. And then I... <laughs> 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 that's it like I, I didn't you know and, and you know i think i was supposed to give them for tzedakah but i ended up like put them putting them into my journal and um and and scotch taping them in there and they're still there like if if i can dig them up and in, in you know in the archives but i i mean i mean to, to actually have time yichidus, which just you know for those of you who don't know what that means it's just intimate one-on-one one-on-one time that rabbi um lord jonathan Sachs had that one-on-one time with the rebbe is like such a tremendous 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 zchus, uh, a merit and and the wisdom that he received in that moment changed his life. So it's like any time that we are in the presence of somebody who can hand over, give over a Torah, we're able to hear it in a certain kind of way. We can tune ourselves and it can change our life. And it could also give us the guidance on how to put us into new situations that also could change our circumstances. All right. This song is one of my favorite energies from a poem from the great Paitan, the great uh, Jewish religious poet, uh, Shlomo ibn Gabiro, this is Shachar Vakeshcha, In the Morning I Seek You, sung by our very own Ariel Corman at Romulu. Thank you. 
so sweet and so yearning you know it's like so in the sweetness of yearning and it's uh you know as as you know both sarah's life and abraham's life are are closing you know like you get the sense of it gives us a sense of journeying yeah. sweet journeying yeah uh okay all right bossy so i don't know how we should introduce the shabbos pot thing i was like trying to think of like like some like bad joke, like what does the Shabbos pot call the kettle, <laughs> like or something? <laughs> I like that. I think you should do that. What does the Shabbos pot call the kettle, Basia? Yeah. Um, matzo ball soup. Matzo balls. Well, we are going to call uh, Cynthia from Romu, Brooklyn, to give us a little bit of uh, her matzo ball magic. So, let me. Oh my god, that was totally coincidental. Was it coincidental? Semi coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's call our friend Cynthia. Hi, Rabbi Scott. Hi, Cynthia. Hi, Cynthia. How are you? Oh, hi, Sasan Basia. So good to hear your voice. You too, you too. It's been too long. So we're here calling to see what's in your Shabbos pot this week, Cynthia. Well, what's in my Shabbat pot is my family's favorite matzo balls, of course. Oh, tell us about them. All right. Well, so I start with the recipe that is on the box of the matzo meal, on the back of the matzo meal box. But I don't actually use the matzo meal. I like to make my own from leftover Passover matzah, which is good because it lasts forever. <laughs> um, right, that's either a good or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. Well, in the middle of a pandemic, it's a good thing. <laughs> is that what we've come to? Is that what we've come that to? That is what we've come to. Yeah. Pandemic matzo balls. I found, by the way, um, that it's also good for coating fish. That if you ever use like matzo meal, is fantastic for if you wanted like bread of fish and keep it crispy. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Does it work with gluten-free matzo? That is not my only trick. Basia, nothing works with gluten-free matza. I'm sorry. Yeah, go for it. Now keep going. All right. So I also used chicken fat instead of the oil. And I always have a jar of schmaltz in my fridge. Um, but sometimes I like to use fat that's skimmed from a brisket or other recipe. 
especially if you use a spice like harissa in the recipe, that makes for a more interesting matzo ball. And then two other tricks I have. One is using seltzer instead of water or broth. Yeah, that's a family one, that's a family trick of ours too. Yeah, I think that one's more common. But one trick I actually learned on a TV cooking show with uh, Bobby Flay where someone challenged him to make matzo balls. Um, the chef there who actually won the competition, he separated the egg whites from the egg yolks, egg yolks which I had never heard of before. So if I have time, which is not usually too often on a Friday afternoon, I will do that. I'll just separate them. You whip up the egg whites to a stiff peak and then fold them in. And that makes for a super fluffy matzo ball. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that before. For those who want an easy method for separating egg whites and egg rolls, you can do it in the shell itself. Just crack that egg in half, and rather than pouring the egg out, flip the egg from one half of the shell to the other so that the white falls out, but the yolk actually stays in. Um, a simple, easy way to separate egg yolks. Wow. So seltzer, um, beaten beaten stiff egg whites, and schmaltz. So you keep schmaltz. You're like a Borschmelt comedian. There's like there's always schmaltz for you. There's, there's, you like always have schmaltz there? There's always schmaltz in my fridge. Wow. I, cause you could skim it off of the top of the chicken soup, or like I said, if you're just making any recipe, there's always fat. And I do think it's kind of fun to do a recipe that's very highly seasoned and then you just have a matzo ball that has doesn't have that traditional flavor so it's kind of like a surprise um for most people who may never have had a matzo ball that tasted anything you know different than your sort of salt and pepper yeah it's great it's great using like it's great using schmaltz from dishes that you've cooked because you get that extra flavor palette in there yep and i use beef for chicken or whatever i've only done beef for chicken i haven't done anything else and All right, it's sustainable. So, so, but the one thing I'm 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 already getting ideas for like when we can meet in person and we can have a matzo ball off, you know, like we're like not, that doesn't sound good, but you know, just having like maybe you need to censor you, this podcast. That's not possible. <laughs> I don't know to have like a few people bring like amazing matzo balls and like we just have matzo ball like kiddish. I don't know. I love it. I love it. Although I have to tell you that I think Cynthia's because recipe is the best that I've ever heard so far. I also know, by the way, that Cynthia, that there's a very, um, there's, there's really an, a very important issue of the day about which you have strong feelings. Would you like to share, um, share that with us? So in my family, we have a debate over whether chicken and matzo ball soup is a meal. And I am a strong advocate against that position. I like to serve soup before the blessing so that people aren't so hungry, particularly if the Devar Torah that week runs long, which I can assure you in my extended family always runs long. So I think that serving soup as a starter is definitely the way to go. And how do you feel about those, those, how do you feel about the other side? You know, those people who are doing sort of, uh, um, uh, chicken soup suppression and claiming that it is it is in fact an entire meal. Uh, you know, I just think they're missing the boat. I think it should be a delicious starter, and then you should finish it off with a good brisket. <laughs> well, I, I like I'm on your side. Really, I'm Lots on your side. Reason. Yeah, Cynthia, I, I'm with you. Look, friends, can't we all just get along? <laughs>
I will be sure to have Josh listen to this so that he, he knows that I've got uh, the rabbi and the fazan on my side. <laughs> I can't believe we just got shanghaied into this argument. <laughs> I know, but like as soon as you put brisket into the conversation, I'm right there. Guys, I have to tell you something absolutely radical. Okay. I'm not a fan, I'm not a fan of brisket. All right, let's go back to some music. <laughs> See what I did there. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for uh, for filling our Shabbat pot this week, Cynthia. Thanks. And next time I'll tell you about our brisket, our family brisket uh, cook-off. But it did not end so well for me. But uh, thanks so much. It was great talking to you. All right, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Something for the kids, no? Um, and now we're going to play a song that um, I can't do it. Why don't you okay. do it? <laughs> Is it because I said? Is it because I told you what to do? I, it's just it's not happening. <laughs> uh, this is one of my, my this is one of my son's favorite Shabbat songs. All right, here you go. Believe it or not, there's a dinosaur in your Shabbat. One more for the kids. Perennial Shabbat favorite. Here's a little bim bum. You know, I have to tell you, Basia, that uh, my son Lavi is a real favor of uh, in favor of dinosaur-based Judaism. So uh, any song, any Jewish song involving dinosaurs is. I think that's why they get along so well. That's true. That's true. It's really putting the renewal in renewal, you know. Okay, there's a joke here. I'm not understanding. Never mind. It was terrible. (laughs) 
<laughs> Dinosaurs have been really dead. They're being really. <laughs> it wasn't a good joke. It's a, it's a good joke. It's a good joke. It's a good joke. I'm so. I had a lot of insomnia last night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, our Rabbi Sachs um, ends his Devar Torah by talking about a woman named Edith Egger who wrote at the age of 92 a bestseller called The Choice that spoke about her life in Auschwitz, God forbid, and what it was like to be a Holocaust survivor. Um, she eventually becomes a psychologist and dedicates herself to helping people understand and overcome their trauma. But one of the things she said in the book really spoke to both of us. In an interview on the publication of the book, she said, I've learned not to look for happiness because that is external. You were born with love and you were born with joy. That's inside. It's always there. I think she talks about two different kinds of mindsets. We have learned this extraordinary mindset from Holocaust survivors like Edith Eager and Viktor Frankl. But in truth, it was there from the very beginning from Abraham and Sarah, who survived whatever fate threw at them, however much it seemed to derail their mission, and despite everything they found, serenity at the end of their lives. They knew that what makes a life satisfying is not external, but internal, a sense of purpose, mission, being called, summoned, of starting something that would be continued by those who came after them, of bringing something new into the world by the way they lived their lives. What mattered was the inside, not the outside, their faith, not their often troubled circumstances. What does this mean to you, Basia? I think, you know, I think especially nowadays we're living in a in a time where our circumstances are so dark and sometimes confining and scary. And I think here we're learning that okay, this is our time period. She was speaking, Edith was speaking from the Holocaust, but that we are nothing nothing can really um nothing could take away our internal lives. And our internal lives are full of agency, and we can really choose the world that we live inside and how we illuminate the outside through that internal life. I mean, it's true. Look, the pandemic has really forced us inside our houses. But at the same time, sometimes it makes me feel like I'm not inside myself, right? Every day sometimes feels like the same, and there's not the same kind of vibrancy and light. But if we're going to talk about what spirituality really is, it's actually a set of tools, a set of gifts a set of techniques, a set of deep wisdom understandings that allow us to paint our inner life neon, bright colors, no matter where we are in our outer life. Beautifully said, beautifully said, exactly. And I think, um, I think that's, that's our life's work is to really just keep cult and not, not only, you know, like decorating from the outside, I think it's like home edit that I'm obsessed with right now, but how do we internally like, you know, soul edit? Like, how do we, how do we, how do we take out what we don't need? How do we make organization? How do we make space? How do we make joy? You know, if, you know, we're talking about, um, what's her name? M Mary, Marie Kondo. Is it bringing you joy? Is this, joy? is this bringing you joy? Is yeah. this perspective bringing you joy? Is this opinion bringing you joy? Is this, is this, uh, is this way of thinking bringing you joy? So I think that we need to do honor to the memory of Rabbi Lord um, Jonathan Sachs, who 
was someone who found that determination within, who found his own why, and was just this incredibly pro prolific writer and thinker, and from his own perspective, uh, someone who worked towards peace and understanding um, for the entire world, right? From the Jewish position, from the Mahamad, from the Jewish place in which he stood, he reached out to everyone, and um, I'm sure he was a human being, all sorts of flaws and faults, but nonetheless, his you know his reach exceeded his grasp in this incredible way, and I think you got a sense from him that he was a man whose life was truly lived um, in an incredible amount of joy and of wisdom um, that we get to share still to this day. If you want to learn Rabbi Sachs's Torah, he actually wrote an entire year of Torah comment. He's been writing Torah commentary for years, but he wrote an entire year in advance. How's that for creating your own situation? So if you go online to Covenant and Conversation, Covenant and Conversation, and you search for Sachs, um, you'll see this upcoming year of his Parsha commentary, a gift to us all. Amen. Let's celebrate with some Moshav. Oh, yeah. That's the good stuff, too. Yeah.
Shabbos Kodesh. All right, so we should make brachas? Yeah, I think, I don't know, some of you are going to be listening on Friday as Shabbat is coming in. Some of you are listening on Shabbat day when Shabbat is already here. Some of you might be listening on Sunday when you actually have a moment and Shabbat is over. But either way, blessings are really always welcome. So please join us. Baruch Asher kichanu b'mitzvotav v'tzivanu l'hadlik ne'er shel Shabbat. Amen. Grab a cup. Fill it up with wine or grape juice. Seltzer. Seltzer? I mean, if you're not using the seltzer for the matzo balls, then... Use it for the Kiddush. Use it for the Kiddush. <laughs> Grab a cup, fill it up with wine or with grape juice, and especially blessings. Lift it up with us. Hold it in your hands, fingers together, as we should all be unified in our hearts and our souls. And here's the blessing over Kiddush. Baruch atadunai Eloheinu melech haolam, borei priyagafen. Amen. Baruch atadunai Eloheinu melech haolam, Asher kiddushanu b'mitzvotav eratzavanu v'shabbat kodesh be'avav ratzonin chilanu zikaron lemaaseh v'reishit ki hu yom techila lemikrae kodesh zecher letziad mitzrayim ki vanu v'acharta v'yotanu kiddushta mikol ha'amim v'shabbat kodeshcha Be'ahava uvratzon hinchaltanu Baruch ata Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat Amen Baruch ata Adonai Eloheinu ruach haolam Hamoti lachem in haaretz Good Shabbos, 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 and I think we're going to leave you with a little Lechadodi that you could dance to in your own home. Um, and imagine in your mind the sense of dancing together. Just picture it, uh, holding hands one after another in a chain of connectedness and joy and celebration of Shabbat as we leave you with Lechadodi from our community. We recorded this literally, not literally, actually, the weekend before the pandemic. This was the last Roman Manhattan service that met in person, and we happened to use that weekend as a recording Shabbat. So here you go. Thanks for Shabbatifying with us this week, everyone.
Mm-hmm.